start of another week. Are you ready? Are you excited? Wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Special. You're one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Maybe you're doing chores. Maybe you're on a walk. Whatever the case, we're going to be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes with gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week. Brooklinen, Blue Apron, and Gamefly. They bring the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. And also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who is always cosplaying as Christian Spicer. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Yeah, I hope you like uh, I spent a lot of time on this outfit. And I think it looks pretty good. Yeah, man. It's you nailed you. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Comic-Con this week, which is where that reference came from. I did not go. Uh, I used to go and I, I don't, I kind of don't go anymore, but, uh, we got some video game news out of it. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. We got some uh, games we've been playing and we have an awesome guest to do it with, you know, DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh man, I'm excited because DLC stands for DeSanto's leisure consumption because from I eat games, the YouTube channel, the Twitch channel, we are pleased to welcome Mark DeSanto to the show. Hey, Mark. Hello. Hello, Jeffrey. Hello. Hello Thanks for being here. You're, we yeah, you're welcome. It. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Um, let us uh, let us jump right in. We got some we got some stuff to talk about. You know, it is summer. Things are not exactly you know exploding with news, but it's a fun time to kind of catch up on on other games. I've been playing a lot of stuff that I kind of drifted away from so we got a lot to talk about let's start the show the way we always do with story of the week story of the week it's the story of the week story of the week it's the story of the week story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week and you can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit that's five by five dlc.reddit.com where cool folks hang and cool folks talk about the show and about video games. Give it a shot. Join the community. A lot of cool uh, people over there. But Mark, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. I wonder what your story of the week is. Before I pick, um, I do want to say one thing real quick. Um, you guys, I I love your podcast. This is complete honesty. I'm going to take my head all the way up and say one of the best gaming podcasts out there um i i love how you guys are just not cynical about everything and i just feel like there's so much of that um in podcasts and on twitter um i don't know if you guys feel the same way but it's just nice that you guys give honest opinions and there's not a lot of cynicism i appreciate well thanks for saying that man i really appreciate that and uh I'm glad you're here with us. I, I appreciate yep. you listening, and I appreciate you, you contributing. So uh, mm-hmm. let's jump right in. Uh, so what is your story of the week? All right. Well, I am not a huge fan of special consoles, but the first ever console I think is actually really cool 
with a special marking is the Spider-Man PS4 Pro that was announced at Comic-Con. Have you guys seen this? Yeah, man. Uh, they had the big uh, Marvel Games panel at Comic-Con in Hall H there. Yeah. And uh, we saw a new trailer for Spider-Man PS4 and this big announcement of the PS4 Pro bundle with the cool Spider-Man branding. It's yeah. red. It's got that iconic video game Spider-Man white logo because uh, I think white they've kind of carved out for the video game as being the the differentiator there is that the spider is white uh, in the video game. And uh, so it is also on this cool console. Like the whole top is the spider logo. It's got a red DualShock controller yeah. uh, that looks really slick when the blue light on the front lights up. It's got red and white and then that blue light shines, you know, it looks very Spider-Man-y. Um, you're digging this one, huh? I love it. I mean, it's I normally don't like these kinds of I just prefer regular vanilla consoles and I don't put stickers on my consoles, but I just love how restrained they were with their design. I mean, it's just like big, bright, screaming candy apple red with a logo, a nice Spider-Man logo. There's not like, you know, 13 Spider-Mans crawling around it or, right. you know, cobwebs everywhere or, you know, the Green Goblin flying around. It's just like this simple, cool design. And I think I, I love it. I think it's great. Yeah, it doesn't look like the side of somebody's van. You know, right. sometimes those uh, those custom things will just look too like too far too much. Yeah, it doesn't have like uh, wizards or anything on it. <laughs> right. You know I mean? Or like yeah. a, a pack of wolves running through the forest chasing a demon. Yeah. When uh, when this was announced, Christian, you and I were in the same room and we were talking about it. And I actually voiced uh, feelings very similar to what Mark just said about how I don't usually go for stuff like this. But man, that one, that one, for some reason, got me kind of excited. I don't I don't really care about the branded Halo Xbox and the branded Star Wars PS4. And none of them have really uh, floated my boat. But that Spider-Man logo, something about that Spider-Man logo and the bright red, like Mark was talking about, that feels different. And you were not so certain, right? Well, I just got upset for my own personal console center, where I think the comment I made to you was, it's going to have to be vertical, and I'd have no right. space for a vertical console. Like, I, it's so iconic, and I think part of it, the reason why I jumped out to you and I, Jeff, is we both love the character so much, and I imagine same for Mark as well. I mean, it's such an iconic character, and this is such a clean representation of that, and to know that I would have that slid horizontally in an entertainment center it was just yeah. like i it was kind of like the same thing with the collector's edition for the game i was like i really want this i have i literally have nowhere in my house to put the little sculpt that it comes with but yeah. i really want it and same with this console it was like well, this looks really nice and really clean and i would never see it because it would just be in a closed entertainment center so i think it's good because it saved me 400 bucks <laughs> but well, it's a really sharp like design especially the controller yeah you're right. Like at the end of the day, I love it, but I, I wouldn't buy it. I mean, unless I was actually really in the market for a pro and I went to the store and there it was because it doesn't cost anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like this is the early adopters uh, cross to bear is, you know, I, I got the first one. And so I got the I got the one. I, I guess I guess I could go through the rigmarole of selling my PS4 Pro and getting a cool branded one. It just seems like so much work. I feel like these are to entice people that haven't jumped on board yet. And I think this is a pretty cool uh, enticement, but there's no yeah. way I would, I just kind of thinking about it in the abstract, like, yeah, that looks really cool. Right. But there's, I mean, I'm not going to replace my PS4 pro just for a paint job. 
But I'd love to see the data on that. Like if it exists, like yeah. how many people are repeat buyers? How many people use this to jump on as their entry into the pro? They've maybe been hanging out with a slim or whatever, or an OG. And then how many people are, you know, they have five different PlayStation fours because that's the thing that some people buy, you know, soup up their car and other people collect consoles. I'd, I'd be really curious for every collector's edition. Cause I know I have friends that have, I think five 3DSs at this point. And I feel like that's not even the max that they could have, you know? Yeah. Well, 3DSs are like 99 bucks. That's a little different than <laughs> collecting $400, $500 console, you know? But there uh, does seem to be like a new theme coming out every week, right? There's yeah. <laughs> for the 3DSs. That's true. There's, it just seems like there's always a new one. Um, there, there's certainly, yeah, I guess there's the the new the Pokemon. It looks like a Pokeball. And yeah, there, there's a whole bunch of them. Um, I agree with you, Christian, about the vertical thing. Like it kind of, it, you know, the way they show it is vertical. It certainly seems like you lose all the coolness when it's horizontal. Cause then you, if you're looking at it horizontally, basically you just see a red console, which is okay. But right. I wondered, I feel like there could have been something on the front. Uh, I agree with you, Mark, that I don't want too much, but I think something on the front for the, for the horizontal people uh, would have been nice. But yeah, this is a neat thing. And I think it kind of emphasizes how, important this game is for sony and how much they're banking on it being a big hit and how, how big of a deal they wanted to make about it and uh, you know i'm super excited for spider-man coming out and this will this will hit alongside the game on september 7th so the game, game looks so good yeah yeah we've gone full circle on it where now the spider-man font more you know for lack of a better word is back on a playstation it's been a generation since we had spider-man on a playstation before it said playstation 3 but it was that sam raimi spider-man font so it's nice to see that that loop completed <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> right. all right christian what is your story of the week uh i mean it, people have likely seen it because i think it has millions of views but we need to talk about it even though it happened kind of soon after last week's show it feels like and he was teasing it before that but the dream has been realized and we got to see nathan fillion play the live action version of the character that he inspired <laughs> or was part of between him and Indiana Jones. And he got to team up with directed director, Alan Unger to make a fan film essentially uh, of uncharted where like Nathan, you said, said essentially, I think that was essentially a, well, <laughs> Freudian slip. I think you really liked the movie essentially. <laughs> he, I, uh, Nathan Fillion could read me the most, like the phone book and I would think yeah. it's entertaining. So sensual. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, he is charming, charming, charming fella. Anyway, go ahead. Keep going. Oh, I was going to say, I, I mean, it was, it was really well crafted and it was cool to see that realization. I don't know if we'll ever get to see another version of, you know, Fillion playing Drake. And it's something I think most people have wanted to see in some form or fashion. And, you know, they went for it and I think they nailed, they did it way more right than they did wrong. And it makes me excited to, uh, to see more of this character on the big screen. I think if anything, it proves that the character works outside of a video game, which I don't think is a surprise to anybody, but I mean, like I said, Fillion well, is so charming. That, you know, that the version we're getting on the big screen is him at like 19 but also tom holland is so charming so i, I, I don't want to judge that until i see it right but it's i don't know if it proves that the movie's going to be good because uh it's the movie's taking a very very different approach to it but i agree with you i, I really enjoyed this short and it really does feel like uh wish fulfillment um and it, it i i thought it was just really be well written and funny and fun and and nathan fillion delivering all those quips is just it's so fun to see him 
in sticky situations and riffing and making fun of people and making fun of himself and that, that self-deprecating humor works so well. And it, it just so in line with the character and you just understand why this was the actor they kind of had in their head when they were making yeah. this character. It really works. Yeah. I mean, it really does. Yeah. And it's fun. There's a moment in it. I, I hope this isn't really a spoiler for anybody that hasn't seen it yet, but there's a moment in it where it kind of assumes the camera position of the video game and like when he holds up his gun it zooms in like you get in the in the video game and i just thought that was i mean it's total pandering to the audience but right in the best possible way but like we're it, the audience so right exactly and, and it's i mean i feel like if if that was a big screen version of it i might find it a little more object objectionable just like you know the first person sequence in doom was i was, but, I was just about to say as long as they don't do it for like five ten minutes where you know yeah, yeah. But in. in a short I, I you know that is about fan service and about this wish fulfillment thing i think it was mm -hmm. really fun and um clearly expensive and um what's his name what's the name of the guy who plays sully the the guy from avatar uh, he was great uh, it was all great. Yeah, Mark, if my if I may ask you one mm -hmm. question, do you have yeah. a property that you want to see, uh, like a star-studded fan film of? Not not a major motion picture, but like Michael B. Jordan as Kratos, or like what's the what's the thing? <laughs> well, I mean, a while back, my thing was uh, Vin Diesel would have been so good as Kratos for a while there because he had the right voice, and he was. Yeah. I mean, you know, way back when, like ten years ago, when Fast and the Furious, like when he was still pretty young. Um, I mean, I guess he's fine now, but um, not really. I mean, the, it, honestly, the only thing I would like to see get a really serious treatment for a film is maybe Metroid. Like if, if they could take it and make it capture the same feeling of it. There's there aren't a, a lot of video games that I want to see on the big screen. I mean, this this did look really good. It was fun to watch. I'm not quite sure I want to see a full movie of it, though, because I feel like the game is already so cinematic and it's so it is basically like a movie, you know, um, I don't know. I just I, I don't know if I'm that excited for this to make the transition to the big screen. I mean, I know it's already happening, but I don't yeah, know. I kind of feel the same way when you talk about uh, Vin Diesel 10 years ago, the movie that they would have made, even the short, even the fan film version would have been the old version of God of War, which would have been cheesy. And I feel like the best possible version of a God of War movie is the one I played this year for, yes. for 40 hours. You know, right. like that's right. Like, yeah. I don't think it gets better than that. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like that movie is so, or that game is so cinematic and, you know, was acted by actors. And just because they happen to be digital, I, I agree with you. It's kind of similar to what Naughty Dog does that, um, I don't know if you can even make make a version of a God of War movie that right. would be better than the game we all played this year. Yeah, and I and I guess the reason why I feel that way about Metroid is because I feel like they could do something in that world that's interesting that the games don't do because it's not it's it can be some of them can be thick in narrative, but I feel like it is not like Uncharted where we're getting story beats all the time. It is about exploring that world. It's so video gamey, right? Right. Um, and if somebody smart enough could take that and turn it into an interesting film that could be pretty cool but i'm also like a really big metroid fan so that's totally blanking on his name which is i've been trying to think of, the kong skull island director oh peter yeah. jackson no <laughs> the other one uh not not king kong oh kong. <laughs> oh <laughs> um tip of my tongue man 
Um, finding it. Uh, oh, you're looking it Jordan up. Jordan Voight Roberts. What Steve? was it? Jordan Voight Roberts. Uh, that doesn't jump out at me, but I believe that's right. Um, who, are you, who, are you, who are you trying to think of? What, what's going on? The director of right. Skull Island. He talked about who he, he's directing a video game movie next. He's attached to a video game property. Oh, okay. Metal Gear. He's doing Metal Gear. Oh. And he said he was talking about the thing he'd want to do after that is Metroid. But he's like, my pitch would never work because it would literally just be Samus would be the only person. It'd be her. I mean, yeah, that's okay. I mean, but that game is all about loneliness and like this melancholy. Yeah. This this, like unattached feeling of being on this planet. And if it's really Samus doing just that, I mean, that could totally work, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think you could, you could do it. You could do it like almost like a silent film. You know, it, it totally. could it, it could be almost like a Mad Max Fury Road for large stretches where nobody says anything and it's just all told through action. I mean, that oh my could be god, an amazing experience. So yeah, I mean, she could maybe be recording her thoughts in in something, and you could get that. But uh, would I, you I say an audio log? Yeah, you know, I don't know something she's scanning with her uh, visor. I don't know, yeah. uh, but. Yeah, I think that could all that could be really cool, but I don't know if anybody would have the guts to actually make that into a yeah, movie. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, um, unfortunately, those games don't sell super well, so they I don't right. think anybody would actually, unless it was like a you know somebody else uh, making the film on their own dime. The problem is, I could I could imagine about four hundred ways that the Metroid movie is not good, and and very yep. few that uh, where it's it is good. So that's oh my god, yeah, yeah. Um, Metroid my story of the again. week. Oh, sorry. What was that? Sorry. I said Metroid Prime 2 all over. Just yeah. that. It should be the yeah. worst. Right. Uh, my story of the week is uh, a, I, I guess, I don't know if you can, you would call it a rumor or an indication. During a uh, Mixer channel chat with their fans, uh, developers at 343 were talking a little bit about Halo Infinite, which of course was unveiled at E3, or maybe not unveiled, revealed. Uh, we still don't know much about it, but one thing everybody has been guessing about Halo Infinite is whether or not it would have a battle royale mode. Because if you make a shooter these days, you kind of have to, uh, evidently, because everybody's doing it. Uh, but the writer at 343, uh, who's working on Halo Infinite, Jeff Easterling, he said... Uh, he's known, by the way, as uh, Grim Brother One in their forums. He said, I'll tell you right now, the only BR we're interested in is Battle Rifle, the original BR. So you can calm yourself. Mm-hmm. So, it sounds like people want to talk. Go ahead, Christian. <laughs> maybe, maybe he means the story team. The only, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's fun ways to parse that, right? Like, the only one we, as a writer, <laughs> are worried right. about is the Battle Rifle. It- yeah, it, this is a weird one because it seems like it. Why wouldn't you implement this? Because Battle Royale is it's fun and uh, everybody enjoys it. But at the same time, maybe it's a smart move because they feel like they don't have anything to add to it and they want to focus, you know, the resources on doing something else. I mean, maybe they want to introduce something new that could replace Battle Royale. I don't know. I mean, it's it, but it does seem risky, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think that's the question I'd like to pose. It, Mark, do you think Battle Royale is required these days? Or do you think it's become so ubiquitous that it actually doesn't have any right. cachet anymore? There's no reason to do it because everybody's doing it. Well, 
Infinite is so far off. Like, I think they're probably making the right choice here because I don't know how long it's going to be around. But again, by the time this comes out, maybe they just feel like they don't have anything to add to it and nobody would probably play it. Because, I mean, if you think about Fortnite and how much it's gobbled up, how many people are playing other Battle Royales, you know? Well, we'll find out when Call of Duty and uh, Battlefield both launch, right? I guess we'll That's find out. That's the big out. test. Yeah. I think. And I, I, feel can, like... I suppose, you know, between now and when they put out Halo Infinite, they can always add it in. And this certainly isn't a binding totally. contract by any means. But I kind of agree that I think it does, at this point, for franchises that have been around a long time and haven't had them, it feels a little Me Too-y. You know what? Right. I mean, actually, that's a phrase I probably shouldn't use. It feels a little um, everybody's doing it, so I have to as well. Uh, so I kind of feel like it makes them seem less, you know, going with the crowd. Uh, if your right. friend jumps off a bridge, would you kind of think? It's not It's not quite as cool ranch as I thought it was <laughs> right. the first time, right? It's like right. at first I was like, this is nuts. Why wouldn't you guys do this? But yeah, I mean, the more I think about it, it just kind of seems like, they're they're smart they know what they're doing they probably want to put those resources somewhere else and also yeah maybe they don't want to do like a me too thing you know christian uh a a mutual friend of ours uh who has some insight into this uh i was grilling at e3 uh about uh, halo infinite and trying to squeeze out informa- information he was well trained and didn't reveal anything <laughs> but he did say uh, and I said, what is, what even is Halo Infinite? He said, Halo Infinite is everything. And so I ask you, uh, if it's no. not everything, this clearly indicates it's not everything because this might not be one of the things it is. Uh, good thing, bad thing. What do you think? Well, first I need to say that Vita means life. So just because, you know, it doesn't <laughs> necessarily mean it's everything. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see backing up your question a little bit and I apologize. I'm curious to see how call of duty and um, battlefields uh, take on the genre go, because I'm not sure if either are coming with the game at launch. It appears as if both might be coming post launch at some point for those franchises and they will just be additional modes within already pretty heavy uh, multiplayer games that have fans of their other modes. And I would think I would argue the same thing is true with halo where halo has fans of its various modes and its type of gunplay and i remember when it first moved to left trigger right trigger right and you got the aim down the scope kind of thing to halo people thought that was fundamentally changing halo so if halo abandoned uh even more so its traditional multiplayer in pursuit of a battle royale you know how would fans feel about that and i feel like 343 is still maybe trying to put halo back on the map in a way and maybe they feel that following trends isn't the way to do it and they need to either be true to themselves or lead the next thing um that's the other thing right it it, this it could be this really respectable thing where they really earnestly want to just not do that and create something else potentially new you know I'm, i'm hoping it's that yeah i mean i'm i'd be excited either way i play i think of you and i at least jeff i played you know a lot of battle royale and uh, I enjoy the genre. I enjoy Halo. So I'd be curious to see their take on it. I think it's certainly something that would work well, especially if you're, you know, playing as a shielded character where you take down shields and how that changes things. If you spawn with a shield and you're not out trying to find uh, armor to do it, um, 
and the weapons I think are really neat and interesting for how they would vary with like a needler or something like that in that space and trying to get a plasma and a um, traditional weapon to take down a shield and then switch to that to finish them off. So I think the, the, the franchise certainly works for a battle Royale, but I also agree with what Mark said that, you know, infinite feels infinitely far off at this point. So um, why rush to do something that might not exist a year from now? So wait a second. When you asked him about what is infinite, he said it is everything. <laughs> but not Battle Royale, I guess, right? Uh, yeah, I think he was being a little tongue-in-cheek but because infinite is in the title. Right. But uh, yes. Well, uh, it I, is uh, everything. It's almost like maybe your tweet inspired them. Like they sat down. They're like, what if Halo amazing <laughs> oh, cinematic story? Yeah. I love I mean, that. I, By the way, I love that tweet. That's like – I love that tweet. Thank you. Uh, thank you. It's amazing how many people have uh, tweeted me later on and gone, I, you know, I, I had you wrong on that one. Oh. We, don't need to, we don't need to relitigate no, no, that. No, no, no. We don't. Also, we don't. though, guys, uh, mm-hmm. Disney was called Disney Infinity, and it was definitely Disney Very Finite. So oh, I don't... Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, no joke on that one. That's yeah. uh, harsh reality. Yeah. I loved that game. I did, it was, too. It was a good game, and it was, it was good figures. But, uh, it was good it with was the not... kids. Like, yeah. my, my, uh, my six-year-old loved running around just that that hub and in, in the beginning i mean it was it was it was neat well let's get talking about some of the games that we have been playing this week but first let me thank our first sponsor which is brooklinen ah i sleep uh, such as it is i have two kids under two so i don't sleep often but i sleep well in fact part of what i love most about finally climbing into bed and and carving out just a few precious hours of sleep is that I am resting on my Brook Linen sheets. Uh, my wife and I, exclusive on Brook Linen sheets. That's the only sheets we will lay our weary heads upon at the end of, of our day and, and in the crack of dawn as we return back to bed after being up with our kids. Because Brook Linen is, uh, they're the most com- comfortable sheets I've ever had, honestly. Uh, they are uh, really well made. They are... Uh, uh, stylish they look great my wife actually picked out our brooklyn and sheets uh because she liked how they they looked in our room we have these cool we got a, um, a duvet cover we got pillowcases and sheets and they're uh this white and gray stripe that's really slick and elegant and very minimal like my, my wife really enjoys that style they're great uh they are they are reasonably priced. There's no big markup because they're sold to you online. Uh, these Brooklyn, by the way, was founded back in 2014 by a husband and wife team, Vicky and Rich. And they decided they wanted to make beautiful home essentials with not the crazy prices you usually find with those home essentials because most bedding is marked up as much as 300%. Not Brooklyn and Brooklyn in have the super high quality, luxurious sheets that I love to crawl into bed in. My goodness, I would do it right now if I could. I really would. I am exhausted. But <laughs> Brooklyn and sheets are uh, the winner of the best online bedding category by Good Housekeeping. They got all kinds of colors and patterns to choose from. You should check it out. I love my Brooklyn and sheets. Brooklyn.com has an exclusive offer just for DLC listeners. Get $20 off. And free shipping when you use promo code DLC at brooklinen.com. And Brooklinen is so confident that they offer a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all of their sheets and comforters. The only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code DLC 
at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code DLC. Brooklinen. Use the best sheets ever. Some new games coming out here and there uh, this summer, but uh, I'm curious, Mark, how you are spending your time playing games. Uh, are you? Uh, what games are on your playlist right now? Are you playing the newest and hottest stuff? Are you uh, kind of going back to your backlog? What's what's taking up your time? Yeah, I'm actually going back to my backlog, and um, it is. I I'm sure you guys have experienced this, but you kind of get that. Um, the what is it it's slipping my mind the analysis paralysis where you have so much stuff from steam sales and other sales and i have no idea what to play um but anyway yeah i've been i've been kind of catching up on stuff that i had tucked away um the first game that i have uh fallen head over heels in love with is uh hollow knight Mm. i love this game i love it um and judging by playing it on I'm playing it on the Switch. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. so good on the Switch because I, I don't know about you guys, but doing third person or first person games on the Switch, playing them on there is is kind of difficult with the, the left stick and the buttons being a little too high. So mm-hmm. Zelda, I always had to use a pro controller. Um, Interesting. So I really, so for 2D games like this, it's just it's just perfect. It's so good to just take it, you know, and throw it in the car and bring it with me somewhere it's it's great but um judging from my timeline uh, it's, it, the communities definitely love this game too and you know what i hope it continues to be played and revered for all its excellence um yeah i've heard good things about hollow knight from other people a lot of people describe it as being very challenging is that has been your experience as well it is yeah it's it's really challenging um one of the things i love about it is that it sort of sticks out amongst all these other Metroidvania games on the switch, like Steamroll dig two, which is excellent by the way, Axiom right. verge, excellent Dandara iconoclast. I got all these great games that follow the same paradigm. Right. But hollow Knight manages to stand above all these great games. Um, and it sort of takes. So with the difficulty thing, yeah, when you die, it has that souls esque thing where you sort of dump all your, your gems. Um, and you start over at a bench, which is where you save your game, which is sort of similar to a bonfire, I guess. And um, you got to go back to your corpse and you have to fight like your, your shadow of yourself. And it's actually, it's, you have to hit yourself like two or three times. So it's not, it's not that. Does it say, why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? yourself?" (laughs) Like an older brother (laughs) or like the alligator and Ace Ventura. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But it's just, this game is so, it's so finely tuned and it keeps opening itself up to me and it it's it's dungeonous and it's sort of creepy and there are bugs everywhere and i'm amazed at the diversity of the enemies i mean i'm serious there's like uh, like a hundred enemies and they not all of them but most of them sort of operate and have different attack patterns and that's good because you have all these different tools to attack them and so it's 
you know, I hate nothing else when, when you're playing a game and there's like three enemies right? and you know, you get deeper into the game and they're different, but it's a, it's like a palette swap. There isn't really, they just have more armor or something, but with the variety of the enemies and the variety of all the special abilities you have, um, which is, they're all very like Metroidvania esque with like, uh, like the Mantis claw allows you to hop onto a wall and you can sort of grip onto it and hold on. And there's, um, you get this cloak and it allows you to sort of dash forward. Um, so it has, has all the like iconic abilities and more. I'm, I haven't, I have not beaten the game. I think I'm about 12 hours into it, but it's funny because this game in, in a way with like, the souls sort of inspired inspired part of it. You just, you, you dig and you go through the game and there is no save anywhere. You save at like a bench. So if you die, you respawn at the bench. So you, you better be careful. And sometimes you'll stumble into these boss fights and they're always challenging. And between the abilities that you can set up, cause you have these pens that you can get and the pens, you, you have it a certain allotment of, basically slots and you can have a pin that will increase the distance at which you can strike objects. Right. But that'll take up three of the six slots. Uh-huh. Um, so you have to so you be have like a build out, a loadout. Right. And so yeah. with this loadout, you can increase that stuff and you can find more pins that have other abilities, but you can, you have these sort of difficult choices that you have to make and finding is what is critically important to your play style. You know, like, do you want to get stuff that'll help with like uh, healing or, or, offensive stuff like what do you need help with or what are you good at you want to exploit that um and it is it it, it's so oppressive though at times like talking about when you will you'll come across these boss fights and there's a lot of them um and i say that happily i love boss fights like a good well-tuned boss fight and so far they all have been but after going through like working your way back down to where your body is and fighting a boss who seems impossible just like in dark souls and and you you die again for the third time i mean it's just exhausting like i have to like walk away from this game and i'm like i just don't know i don't know i i don't know if i can just do this anymore and of course you know the next day i'm firing it up and i'm feeling great and i beat him you know and it's just so well tuned i love it and by the way it's 15 dollars Oh, wow. Yeah. I, so if you guys haven't, have you guys, uh, Jeff, you said you have not. Christian, have you not played it? I dabbled with it when it first launched on PC, and I was like, this is great. I can't wait to play more of it. And then it became part of my backlog, <laughs> and I never yep. went back to it. Highly recommend you crack it open and give it another shot. On Did you get it on the Switch? Or are you talking I, about I, haven't, I was playing it on PC back in the day. I haven't picked it up on Switch yet. I sh- if I play it again, that is how I will play it because maybe, maybe I, I love like that console. The, the Switch shine on the game is helping. I don't know, but it's it, it's just great because picking it up and playing it handheld mode feels just as good as playing it on the TV, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, obviously I love this game. I think it's great. Yeah, in the, in the chat, Casey Asante has your back. He says, I'm almost 20 hours in and I still feel lost most of the time but i have to say it's so good uh i think you're absolutely right mark in the sense that this particular subgenre is super crowded it is right a lot of really stellar games in that category um and i think it's easy to be like oh man another 
great Metroidvania <laughs> that right. has, to, you know, another great Souls-like or uh, uh, roguelike that, that, you know, is challenging. And I feel like, at least anecdotally, a lot of a lot of my friends uh, around the same time the Hollow Knight was was getting a lot of buzz were playing Celeste, and you know it's like all these great games that are in that same sort of category. Uh, it's hard to keep up with all of them, but Hollow Knight definitely seems to have risen above the the crowd. It uh, does, and I have to say, I mean, um, if I could just add one more thing, it's just you know how when some games you play and you get new abilities, and it kind of seems like you don't use those abilities or yeah. you kind of forget I'm, I, I'm using everything almost all the time. And again, I'm, I'm not, I've not beaten the game and I know there's some more stuff I need to unlock, but so far you start using stuff and you get that, that one of the most exciting things with the Metroidvania is when you get that new ability and you remember those particular areas you couldn't get to because you didn't have the hook or whatever. And it's like, I cannot wait to go back and see what is up in this area. And in this game, that little area could be like you know a little worm in a jar that you need to save or it could be this entire new area and sometimes when that happens it's it's really it's exciting so well you're tempting me and, and b millie 116 in the chat says please play it's one of the best indie games on the switch by far yep the bad news for me is you hate the switch no i love the switch the bad news <laughs> for me is that in just two weeks uh what is it dead cells oh, dead cells out. Isn't it comes that out on Switch. It comes on Switch on August sixth. Oh, it does. Okay. So, uh, yeah. you, got, you got two weeks to beat Hollow Knight, Jeff. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. I guess so, I mean, I, yeah, fifteen bucks. I'm that's too costly. So excited for Dead Cells. I can't even tell you. I, I played. I've played countless hours of it on PC already, and I'm going to start it again on Switch because it'll it, be great on Switch. So I did pre-order that on the Switch, and I'm I'm really excited for it. Um, yeah. I, I've got to go back and listen to you talk about it because um, you also sold me. If you don't, I don't know if you remember this, but you sold me on Resident Evil Seven in VR, mm. and I wasn't going to do it. And I heard you talk about it, and then it turned out to be like one of my favorite VR experiences. So. Did you finish it, Mark? I did not. I didn't finish yeah. it. We, I, we, we couldn't we, do we, it. We, we, we I couldn't do ourselves it too many times. Yeah. Oh my god, the part where you're in the water. Oh yeah, I mean, I am not claustrophobic, and I was hyperventilating. Basically, <laughs> my a... wife is like, "What are you doing with that helmet on?" Hyperventilating. I'm like, just... "I swear, I'm in water. Nothing creepy is going on here." Just the the mere fact of how often I have to be crouched behind something as something terrible is just oh shambling by, and it... I, and I'm, I mean, the it, it's one thing. I mean, now we're talking about a game, however old, but whatever. Uh, it's it's it. one thing to be in a first person shooter or first person horror game and have to like move your controller over to peek out from behind the box to see the thing. It's another thing entirely when you're literally leaning your head around a bookcase to yep. see the horrible thing walking inches from your face. <laughs> it, it, yeah, that, that is a very... I mean, you feel like you could get hurt. Like, nice. you're just nice. like I don't want to do it. Something could hurt my eyeball, you know? Yes. Well, Dead Cells anyway. is not that, but uh, also a game that I thoroughly enjoyed on PC and I can't wait to try it on Switch. Uh, but you have also been playing another game that's kind of an oldie, but um, recently updated. Yeah. yeah, I've had a weird like relationship with this game. It's Shadow of War. And I've had this game for quite a while, uh, a couple weeks after launch. 
This is the I, I get the names wrong. This is the sequel, the, the second one. one. Yeah, yes, it's the newest one. And um, I loved the first one. I played through it twice, actually. Loved the first one. Um, and so with this game, they kept patching it and they kept making it better and they kept adding DLC. So I just kept letting it bake and just sit there and patch and bake and bake. And so I finally, they, so they released a really big patch that basically rebalanced the game, stripped out like all the, the gold stuff that you could buy um, and rebalanced, I think, the Nemesis system and a couple other things. So I was going to play it like a month ago, heard about the patch, decided to wait. So I fired it up and I, I have been playing this game for, I think, about six, seven hours. Um, and it's weird because... It's this is gonna sound strange, but it's like even now, six hours into it, it feels too big and huh. too banal and kind of empty and repetitive. And it's it sounds weird to say that because it has so the hooks that the first one had, but they but it's like they added too many hooks and it's kind of annoying. It's like it's it's like sitting at a dinner table and the waiter just keeps bringing more food and I'm still trying to eat the really tasty potato salad that you brought, but you, oh, brought you mean Fogo de Chow. Salad. I think you're talking about Fogo de Chow. <laughs> More <What>? meat. <laughs> but it, 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 and they won't stop. And there's just like, this stuff keeps being dumped on the table and I can't consume it all. And I'm not enjoying the potato salad in particular. And I, it's weird, but I keep playing. I'm a bad gamer. Tell me I'm a bad gamer, guys, because I no, feel I like think you're, you're a good gamer. You're it's... you're more committed than I. I, if I, I, I I'm to the point now where I just jump off of things if they're not keeping me. There's I need to get better at that. Well, but it's like, as you know, when it, it has this massive skill tree and there are tons of things to unlock and the, the skill points come pretty quickly and you can move faster and you could do some other things faster. And that's alleviating some of my complaints. But um, did you guys like the first one? Christian, you, it was like your game of the year that year, right? You loved it. Yeah. And one of the things that I've been most shocked about is how little you cared to even venture into the second one. Play this one at all. I played it. I got it right when it came out, put, I don't know, maybe six, seven hours into it or something like that. And it just did not click for me. Um, I don't know if it was the microtransaction-y stuff or maybe the scale is the way you're talking. It might still be up. I think my first hour is on my Twitch or on my YouTube and um, I feel like I just rolled really poorly where I would stumble into these orcs and try to run away. And like the collision detection felt off. Just something about it didn't feel as um, it didn't click the way the first one did for me. And so I, I as Jeff said, I, I too kind of bounce off things. There's always something else to play or something I haven't played that I already have that I should be playing. And so it was easy to move off of. And I thought about going back to it now um, with the this patch, the way you did, Mark, but I've also been playing tons of other stuff already, so it, it's hard for a game to win me over again. I'm I'm wondering if No Man's Sky will pull me back in, not to change to another game, but like oh my God. another no, huge update. Please, but I'm also kind of like, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, and it's it just it just like seems like they want to quickly oh oh check out this new feature, look at this thing, look at this thing, and they trip all over themselves. For instance, with the Nemesis system, you know they have sort of pushed out some new little features here and there like the captains now can ambush you 
Yes. And so you can be crawling through a bush and all of a sudden, <laughs> yes, I, I hated am Grog, that. The, the toad liquor, and I'm going to eat you. <laughs> and it's like, dude, like I was totally setting up this whole stealth thing for like 12 minutes. And it's not, I, I, it sounded kind of exciting when they talked about it, but it ultimately it's been really kind of annoying and it's not fun. And so I end up either running away or fighting them and not loving it so it's interesting yeah. how more isn't better in this case you know it's right. like you guys we you guys love this first game we're gonna do that but more and it's like nah, we don't want more right <laughs> <laughs> they need to like refine some of the stuff i i don't know I, I i'm gonna continue to play it i'm sure i'll have more thoughts about it on twitter but um yeah not not loving it so yeah. i've been just bouncing back to hollow knight nice. so what about you guys yeah, Christian, what's on your playlist this week? Well, I think kind of similar to this, or Mark, what you were saying is, uh, we've talked about it, this will be the third week in the row, but now I'm playing it, um, Octopath Traveler, where mm. I'm I'm not super deep, super, I, I know it's a, a large game, but uh, I keep thinking as I'm playing it, like, I don't know, am I having that much fun playing this? And then cut to, it's been an hour, and then I put it down because I have to do something else, and all I can think about is playing it again, so clearly i'm having fun playing it everybody said it but i'm gonna say it it's my turn to say it now just stunning um i i'm not sure how the game clicks if it doesn't look as incredible as it does that mix of um kind of paper crafty with super nest pixel graphics and um what's the word um tilt focus tilt tilt shift Yeah. yeah the tilt shift going on and just and even like particles kind of raining down in the snow or smoke um, and the, the beasts that you encounter, the enemies that you fight all look really cool. It's a, an, another square game where I, I want there to be an anime um, inspired by it because I think so much of the creature design and character design just looks absolutely incredible. And then the battle mechanic is, I, I don't play a lot of JRPGs, or I haven't, I guess, since the 16-bit era. It's not a genre. Persona 5, Persona 4, like, the some of them pull me in and Pokemon and stuff like that. But this traditional JRPG of yore, I haven't played tons of uh, growing up. And getting into it now with Octopath, this, the combat mechanic, or the, the battle strategies that you have with your companions and your the people that are with you in your party and the people that you can pull in that aren't always necessarily fighting with you and trying to find someone in town who has an attack that is one of these enemies weaknesses that you've discovered through battle so you want to go back to town and get this guy from the from the tavern to join you and summon him because he'll be able to break the shield of this monster that you can't otherwise uh, break as quickly so it gives you that one extra attack and then you have the attack the shield broken and you can unleash this huge combo with your character and and, and take down the enemy it's just really fun watching this back and forth of seeing how your squad interacts um, and how you get to plan strategy for battles against some of the the bigger monsters and one thing that threw me for a loop at first with it is it's been even longer i think since I've played a game like this where the enemy's health is hidden. And I'm not sure if later in the game you get an awaken or something like that skill where you can see it. But where I am in the game, you don't see the enemy's health. So I see that I'm doing 400 damage, but I don't know if the enemy has 2 billion, you know, or if they have 401. So my character is down to 70. They just hit me with 150. So I know that they have an attack that's 
capable of of eliminating me and and their next attack but i've hit them for 1200 already do i press and and risk it or do i heal or send one of my companions in to take the blow and it just changes the strategy from something um where you can see the enemy health and how you engage in that encounter that is both rewarding and frustrating where i was up against a boss (laughs) and i felt like i was just wailing on this boss just going to town on them and then they just unleashed this like multiple hundred hit attack on me and just eliminated me there with that turn when I was at almost full health. And I was like, no, how, how close was I? Like, (laughs) was I close? Was I not close? Do I want to know if I was close? And what I did is I remembered my 16 bit era roots and I was like, okay, boss game on. I'll see you in an hour. I'm going to be grinding your minions until I come back way OP (laughs) and I'm able to take you down. And even that felt, very satisfying where it was like okay i'm level 10 now there's no way there's no way you can challenge me anymore but i also didn't know if they could challenge me because i don't see what their hp is when i walk into the fight it's uh it's it's a really engaging game and i've had i've enjoyed the plot so far i think some people maybe it kind of rubbed them the wrong way but uh it feels like it does enough to get me from area to area and not enough that to bog me down where if i put my switch down for 20 minutes to do the laundry or something and i come back i'm not like wait where was i what was carl doing or whatever i really do love it when enemies don't level up with you and you can feel overpowered and come back and sort of lay waste to an area it does feel good i i'm curious though what is it about this game initially that drew you in the art oh really 100% that the art style it's so it taps into my nostalgia and my newest latest best you know wants at the same time where I think it was maybe polygon I don't want to incorrectly attribute so I don't remember but somewhere had an article up and it was like it took the most you know unreal engine 4 to deliver a game that looked this retro and this good and whatever they're doing with unreal 4 to kind of combine these graphical styles it's stunning on the handheld and then on a big tv it looks it looks it looks amazing yeah awesome. octopath traveler so you're you're gonna are you sticking with it you playing more I, I i am sticking with it i'm going out of town here in a little bit and it's my it's my playing game because so much of else well i'll talk about another switch game too but a lot of my switch games are rocket league and Fortnite and splatoon 2 and those require internet connection and uh a plane i don't trust <laughs> excuse me i need your good wi-fi because i'm playing <laughs> squad Fortnite. <laughs> by the way semi semi-serious uh comment hollow knight does not require any like connectivity it doesn't do any background things like the souls games do in case anybody was curious so okay. selling selling that hollow knight to you christian <laughs> do it, do it. Uh, uh, and then the other game, uh, my other Switch game that I'll talk about is I picked up Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. I had a price point in mind for it because I already own it and beat it on Wii U. Wow, and really? I, I found it at that price point. Uh, shout out to Wario64. <laughs> and um, uh, you guys, have either of you played it, Jeff or Mark? Yes. I have not. I've not played it. It. it I wish it wasn't 60 bucks because that's a, that's, it's yeah. a lot. But it is it is hard because there are so many. But I th- I think it's top ten, top five platformers of all time. No it's way. So really? well made. It's so well made. And what's great about it is that it's not pixel art, right? Like so many of the great platformers, and I'm not trying to take anything away from pixel art platformers. I 
gushed about Celeste on this show for weeks on end. Um, but so many of them are that pixel art. So you get a pixel perfect platformer where you're able to see exactly what you can land on and what you can grab and what you can do. And what Retro did with their take on the Donkey Kong Country franchise with making that carrying forward the, I think it was Rare that did it the first time around, right? Or whoever did them on Super Nintendo, I don't remember, um, the developer. Uh, but that really cool 3D art on a 2D plane with like state-of-the-art animation to do that again. Um, and the Switch port of it is phenomenal. And even if you play as Funky Kong, who is the the new character introduced for it, that's kind of like the when Homer was the dog in The Simpsons. Or what was that character? That <laughs> yeah, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Um, yes, <laughs> yes. Thank you, Jeff. Um, even when you play a, as Funky Kong, while it might make the platforming easier, uh, the bosses are still very difficult. It's not like you can give a kid you know, give your five-year-old Funky Kong and they'll beat Tropical Freeze. Like the game is still going to require um, a lot from them, but the, the environments are gorgeous. The platforming is so rewarding and and how it unlocks as you play through a level and finishing a level as an accomplishment and then finding all of the Kong letter pieces and all the puzzle pieces and finding secrets where you didn't think there would be a secret. The way you can replay a level you know, five times in a row and not even discover everything that that level has to offer. Is, is that frustrating a, though? No, because every time, well, my stick by my no answer, because every time you go through it, it you, it's still fun where it, it can become frustrating when you know where something is and you're not able to get it. Or if you're not able to, you, you just need one more puzzle piece and you haven't found where it is. But that I think is the joy of the game. And what I think tropical freeze did so well is this Nintendo approach of you don't need to do it right. Like it's like the scalability within one level where you complete the level and the confetti goes off and you're rewarded for that. And that can be enough finding two puzzle pieces good for you you found two you find one it gives you a little reward you know so it's it's you pushing yourself to a hundred percent the game which i did not do on wii u and i'm not sure if i'll do on switch but if you want it that challenge is there kind of like um was i think galaxy really got me for a while on uh on wii mario galaxy where it's like i forget the stars or the shines or whatever they were called and some of them were so incredibly hard to find um tropical freeze it's it's phenomenal. If if you haven't played it, it, I think it is easy to recommend at $60 because I think it's that good of a game. If you've played it on Wii U, um, it, there's, Funky Kong isn't worth the double dip, but if you can find it at a good price, it plays really well on the Switch and it still looks absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I'm curious what that price is that m- made you get 40 it. Bucks. 40 bucks. 40 Okay. 40 bucks is my price point. Um, And if I may do one more, Mr. Kanata, if that's okay. Of course. This is the newest game of the ones that I'm talking about. Uh, Far Cry 5, the next DLC expansion or campaign, standalone campaign came out. Lost on Mars. In it, you play as Nick Fry, who you might have unlocked in Far Cry 5 proper. He is the pilot assistant. And you are joined by Herc, who you might remember as the dude with the rocket launcher. Um, you'll have to be more specific. <laughs> yeah, I don't quite. Talk, yeah, in the grocery store. Yeah, yeah. If if you've come across Herc, you know Herc. You had a Hummer, you had yeah. a rocket launcher. You oh, had I good times. I, I just it was being funny that all the characters are excited about blowing <laughs> stuff up in that game. It, they were, they were. Um, and far, I really like this. Um, I, again, haven't finished it. Maybe three hours in. Feel like it's. I'm getting close. 
Um, but Octopath keeps pulling me, and so does Fortnite. Doesn't matter. Um, you're on Mars. I think Mars looks really cool. It both feels desolate and the towers you need to go to do all your far crying um seems spaced out well enough it it has like a tremors vibe to it where the basic enemy are these um crabs that burrow under the sand and if you walk on smooth sand it basically triggers them to your location so oh, you, you get an half-life 2 half-life 2 also yes uh i prefer anything with kevin bacon in it over a silent protagonist but okay, uh fair you know um pretty early on you- six degrees of separation away from kevin bacon though so <laughs> <laughs> uh, we would, it would have sealed the circle of Half-Life Episode 3 ever came out, Half-Life 2 Episode 3. Um, early on, you get a jetpack or a hover belt or whatever it's called. So there's like platforming that I think the Far Cry series handles pretty well. And I think the sense of humor is going to be hit and miss for people because it is uh, Nick and Herc. And there's a lot of Herc. There's a lot of Herc. And I, I, I like most of it, I would say, they poke fun at themselves again, whereas in Far Cry 5, you climb one tower at the very beginning, and it was like, don't worry, you won't be doing a lot of that. This game, you climb a tower, and Herc's like, yeah, we got a lot of towers to climb. What'd you expect? They want to have we, towers on Mars? <laughs> how do we get them to Mars? Do you want to tell us? Uh, I'm happy to. It happens at the very beginning of the game. Um, Herc Is got it in funny? His, yeah, yeah. It, it works. They get They get abducted. Okay. That's fun. Yeah. They get sucked up. Um, okay. And part of that is wrestling with like, you're on you're on Mars. Yeah, dude, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Remember how you said you'd help me if I ever got in a situation because of a girl? He's like, no. Well, you did and you do. So I'm coming to get you. <laughs> and it's really, it's really, it's really well done. And then the, the care that goes into these little DLC packs or whatever, where it's not just reskinning of weapons from the, you know, the main campaign. It's, new future Mars looking guns that are energy based. So you're not collecting ammo. Uh, it, I'm really enjoying it so far. It feels very different than the first one, which felt like the Vietnam one felt like a throwback to far cry jungle area and being in Mars feels, uh, feels fun and different. So that's far cry five, the lost on Mars DLC that I got when I bought the gold edition. I don't know how much it is. Standalone. Say what you will about those guys, but they pack their games full of content and they keep updating it and they seem to be having a lot of fun. With yes. Their games. yes. So, uh, yeah. r- real quick, Christian, I'm, I'm curious. What was your thoughts on the base game, Far Cry 5? Well, you're going to be surprised when I say this after I said it about uh, Octopath, Donkey Kong, and Lost on Mars. I did not finish it. Um, I <clears> still <throat> like it. I go back to it. I am. I, ha- I have um, Plant Girl unlocked mm-hmm. as my second family member to go and take down and i i like it i probably would have been playing that this week but for lost on mars coming out and me doing this show right okay. i wanted to play the new thing to talk about the new thing but i, I still enjoy my time with it I, I struggle with it between its gameplay and its narrative where like the people you meet in the world seem so fun and silly and then the plot is very serious at times yeah but the gameplay of it i i really enjoy did you like it mark um it's weird. So it's weird with that game because I do enjoy the series. Um, I started with John, that region, and really enjoyed it. But by the time I got to the daughter, I was really kind of pushing. And then uh, Jake is the last region, if I remember correctly. And I was really pushing. And it was just because I kind of wanted to see what would happen with the story. Mm-hmm. And I, I did play all of it. I didn't do all the stuff. I dabbled in the side stuff. It was pretty good, but 
I think Far Cry 4, even Far Cry 3 are better games overall. Huh. Um, I Some of the quality of life stuff is is good. It's fun. Um, I really like the drop-in um, wingsuit when you mm-hmm. fast travel somewhere. That that was awesome. Um, I don't know. It just it didn't pay off for me. I was pretty disappointed okay. with it in the end. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to it. I say, knowing I probably will never get <laughs> <laughs> Some Mars sounds kind of neat, though. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. I'm really enjoying it. And I, I like, I think because of that, I like these smaller Far Cry experiences. Um, I get to get in, you know, take down my bases or climb my towers and know that I'm five hours away from the next one and not, oh, this was fun. Oh, 20 more hours. I mean, I, I, I am having fun, but that map looks like work <laughs> when you open it up and there's so much to do. It's that, wow, there's a lot to do in this game. Even deep the expansion? Breath, deep breath. No, no, I'm saying that's what I like okay. about the expansion is they feel okay. manageable to me okay. in a way that the main game doesn't at times are they sort of open and their side stuff or is it pretty funneled but open no it, it's open and, and they all have side missions the first one the vietnam one you can beat in an hour if you want you can just go right to the end but it's like or save your teammates and go do this and go take down these hideouts uh and the mars one is is similar in that it gives you fun thing i don't want to one of them is very fun and kind of a easter egg but yeah there's stuff to do uh, I I never really followed up on this, but this seems like a good point to to mention it. Um, before E three, I asked people to to let us know whether they were more interested in us talking about more different games, more new other games every week, or deeper discussions on games uh, week after week. You know, I think we were kind of debating that you and I, Christian, uh, and uh, I never really reported it on the show, but I got a lot of feedback about that. And the vast majority of people, to my surprise, said they wanted more new, different games. So oh, I'm uh, I, just, to hear that, I, I was surprised to see it too, and it was the vast majority of, of feedback. So uh, we've been trying to do that, and uh, we will continue to. But I just thought that was interesting, and I wanted to hmm. uh, surface it to the audience. I keep forgetting to bring it up on the show, but thank you all for your feedback on that. And you know, we're we're trying to play as many kinds of things as we can as I talk about games that I've already talked about before uh, about to uh, <laughs> another thing that's interesting to me as far as trends go is uh, the past four or five weeks. Now that we're in summer, we've had obviously a different guest on every week. And yet this recurring theme seems to have emerged. And that is summers for switch summers for Sw- every single person is like, I've been playing so much more switch now. And I don't know if that's because people are outside more on the go, more traveling, doing things, going places, or what, but it certainly seems like, or maybe there's just, there aren't huge releases that aren't on Switch right now. I don't know what what it is, but we've seen, I think, more people talking about Switch games in the last three or four weeks than the rest of the year. So, with that being said, uh, Christian's talking about Octopath very favorably. Uh, Mark is suggesting we all play Hollow Knight. I want to add a game in that just came out this week, I talked about it last year. In fact, it was on one. It was on my top five uh, diamonds in the rough list at the end of the year that we always do. We do our top five games of the year, and then we do our top five games that most people aren't talking about. Uh, so it came out last year on PC, and I played a lot of it. And now it is out on Switch. Oh, it's called Hand of Fate Two, and um, I highly, highly, highly recommend people check it out if you're looking for a game to play on Switch in the summer. This is a great one. Uh, it is a wonderful mashup of a sort of card-based roguelike push-your-luck 
game turn-based sort of uh, sort of a board game i guess a card-based board game where you move a pawn along a, a route and you encounter various uh things that happen and when you encounter a fight it turns into a third person action game that is very reminiscent of the combat from something like batman arkham games i think it's a wonderful mashup of those two styles and i loved the first hand of fate i screamed from the heavens about it and i think hand of fate 2 has a is a great continuation and has wonderful little improvements and now it's out on switch so i just kind of as a public service announcement wanted to mention that for people that may have not been playing it because uh it was only out on pc before have have you tried it on switch yet jeff i have not tried it on switch yet Uh, i almost bought it on switch i was was like oh i wonder how this plays i'm sure it's great you want i mean i played it on pc with a controller you want a controller So, because it play because you want to play it like a third person action, our uh, beat 'em up. You know, it's. I, I think playing with a pro controller, or probably even just playing it with the, you know, with the Joy Cons would be great. Yeah, I played the first one and and enjoyed it. Uh, I didn't play it a ton, but the second one, I'm kind of looking at some gameplay videos now. It looks kind of cool. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to double dip. But I might. Anyway, (laughs) uh, the game that I have been playing the most this week, and I can't even tell you why I went back to it. I think I saw it on a Steam sale and went, oh, man, I haven't played that in a while. And I saw it had a bunch of updates. I'm just going to fire it up. Is a game, another game that I have talked about in the show before, but not in a long time. And that is Slay the Spire. I adore this game. Oh, God, I love it. And it has gotten so much better. It's still in early access, technically. Uh, and this is another one that I think will be amazing on Switch. And they do have plans to bring it to Switch and to mobile. I think this game could be amazing on an iPad or on your phone. It's just, and it's coming to those places after it gets out of early access, according to the developers. But it's still in early access now, technically. And they have updated a bunch since the last time I got into it, including adding an entire third character. So there were two characters when I played the game, sort of a warrior type character and a uh a i guess the warrior was called the ironclad and there was a rogue type character called the silent they've added a third called the defect or defect i guess uh and that one is so much more different the warrior behaves kind of like a war you, you would think a warrior would behave lots of armor lots of endurance lots of staying in the fight and whittling down the opponent the rogue behaves kind of like you would think a rogue would lots of poison lots of dots lots of uh lots of big damage spells cards uh and the defect plays very very differently than anything i've ever seen in a game before the the defect i keep saying the defect it's the defect because it's a <laughs> robot it's a robot everybody it's a That's... robot uh wizard a robot wizard my dad uh, says robot uh, it is the best a robot is pretty great robot um, yes. So this is a, a robot that casts spells and the way it casts spells is it has these orbs and you fill the orb with a, a power like uh frost or lightning or dark or whatever it, it you know, it, it has a kind of sort of an elemental aspect to it. And then those orbs sort of do everything pass, do have a function that they do passively every turn. Or you can exile them, which empties them out of your little uh, orb and em- empties them, empties your orb, uh, but then attacks the enemy or 
pr protects yourself or does some effect. So you're kind of managing these orbs all the time, but you're also, you know, doing other attacks and doing all kinds of uh, cool spells along the way that are all themed with uh, robot attacks. It is very, very fun. It is a really cool character. It's very, plays very different than the other two. And Slay the Spire, if you don't haven't heard me talk about it or I'm not familiar with the game, is a card game, uh, push your luck, roguelike, how far can you get up the spire? There's three levels of bosses, but they're like pathways along the way that you can fight things or get into encounters that are question marks that could be good, could be bad. Go and, and you'll buy new cards to add to your deck. You'll upgrade cards that do certain things. And you're just creating this awesome deck of abilities and trying to learn how to manage it on the fly as you build better and better things on your way progressing up the spire. It is a gameplay loop that I find absolutely irresistible and love. And the game is so beautifully designed. The interplay of the cards is so fun. And they've now added another thing they've, they've added uh, in, in early access is daily challenges. Oh, so, no. <laughs> I know. Oh, I know. Uh, you so might I, have to stop. This is getting. I've, uh... I've been doing these daily challenges and. They're really fun. Uh, oftentimes, it'll be like we gave you a random deck. Go and trying to do, try to get the you know higher on the leaderboards than anybody else. I of course you know I'm not, but it's really great fun. And uh, the new character is great. It's Slay the Spire is awesome. I can't wait till it comes to mobile platforms because then I'll play it even more than just sitting behind my PC. Um, I I can't recommend this game higher. It is if you like those kinds of things. If you like card based combat. If you like turn-based combat thinking through how to play your hand how to play cards to maximize things how to push your luck farther and farther using your health as a resource another thing the game does really really well is you get these artifacts as you go as you go that let you break rules in the game and you there's no limit to how many artifacts you can get on a run so you could just like have this incredibly long string of rule-breaking awesome effects some of them are like do something amazing, but you have to give something up. Like the last run I did earlier today, actually, um, was this incredible card or incredible artifact that let me get way more mana on every turn. So I had, I could play more cards, but I could only ever play six cards in a single turn, which I was like, that's fine. Six cards. But every single turn I would butt, butt up against that limit. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so it's a one, it's so beautifully designed and I just adore slay the spire which i've been playing a lot of lately i have to say i'm watching um i'm watching a gameplay video and um this might sound kind of strange but the the ui has like a good flow to it like the way the cards kind of slide back into the deck or whoosh out and kind of spin up and flip out into the gameplay it, it yeah just... it's the game is not much to look at i mean the, the it's not a graphical powerhouse or showcase by any stretch of the imagination but yeah. It is so mechanically sound and tightly designed and all the card interplay and the way that the, the, the other thing that I haven't mentioned, but I did the first time I talked about say this bar long ago uh, that I find to be so interesting about this game is that unless you break it with, with an artifact, you know what the enemy is going to do every turn. The bad guys you're fighting literally will tell you exactly what they're going to do, how much they're going to attack you for, what they're going to defend, how, you know, you know what they're going to do. So it creates this wonderful 
strategic proposition of how do I play my hand? Because I know exactly what's coming at me next turn. So how do I prepare for that or mitigate it? Or who do I target? So there's a lot of information that you have that informs what cards you play. You're not just sort of hoping, you know, it's not like Hearthstone where it's like, well, I have a strategy and I, I could kind of infer what my opponent might pull out, but this is, you know, your PVE, but what you're seeing is exactly what the, the enemies you're fighting are going to do on their turn. So I, don't know, I, I just adore this game. It's so good. And I don't know why I'm back. I'm like back in it. I hadn't played it for months and now I'm back in it because it's got all this new stuff to do. So you're back on the same platform, right? Still on PC. Yeah. It's still okay. in early access on PC. So, um, they, you know, like I said, they plan to bring it to other platforms, but not yet. All right. That's our playlist. Uh, let's take a second and thank our second sponsor, which is uh, a sponsor that I also adore. Um, Blue Apron. Blue Apron. Let me just tell you the Blue Apron recipe that I made tonight. I have it right here. If you're watching, if you're in our live stream, you get video and you can see I'm holding up uh, cavatelli and shrimp was delicious uh i mean the idea that i would ever have made in my life cavatelli and shrimp is amazing like this is who i am now i'm a guy that just busts out cavatelli and shrimp uh with vegetables i mean it is it with summer vegetables is the full title of this recipe in fact uh but i wasn't a guy that cooked i made like hot dogs and chili three nights a week when i was single and alone uh, it was, it was, uh, pizza and it was garbage. I was giving myself garbage, but blue apron has saved me from that because I get fresh ingredients. I get great recipes. I get step-by-step instructions that tell me how to make it. And I don't have to worry about deciding what to have. There are a bunch of recipes for me to choose from every single week. Uh, there's the two person meal plan and the family plan that you can choose from. You can go ahead and select your meals. Uh, you can pick two, three, or four recipes based on, based on what fits your schedule. And that's out of a, a, a pool of 12 recipes every single week. So I, I had this fun where I go in and I get to pick out what I'm going to get the next few weeks. Uh, and they're amazing recipes. They're really delicious. They have tons of variety in my life. They're much, much healthier. I know exactly what's going in to all of them because I watch it happen. And like I didn't know... I would never have known the way I would make pasta when I was single is I would get noodles. I would boil them and then I would get a jar of pasta sauce and I'd put that jar of pasta sauce on my noodles done. That was stupid. The, the way I've learned how to make a, a recipe like this cavatelli and shrimp where you can actually use the water that you boil your, your noodles in as part of the sauce. And you can just add some lemon and lemon zest and it, actually creates a much more subtle, not so rich and thick uh, experience and you're eating much healthier and it's so flavorful and amazing. I got to tell you guys, it has changed my life. It's convenient. There's much more variety. It's flexible. I cook for my family. I like who I am because of it. It's great. So check out this week's menu and then get your first three meals free on us. BlueApron.com slash DLC. That's BlueApron.com slash DLC to get your first three meals free. Check it out for yourself. Don't trust me. Just try it. BlueApron.com slash DLC. I guarantee you, 
you will be surprised at what you're capable of if you're like me and uh, how delicious this stuff can taste. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So it's been a while since we had a Tabletop Time segment on the show, and I know that I'm the only one that's really been playing any board games, but I wanted to mention one that I played recently because uh, I came to this one kind of differently than I come to most that I uh, that I play. Normally, I'm the guy that's sort of on the inside checking out all the uh, all the new releases and getting excited about things and reading up what people think of them and finding out what's coming out at Essen and Gen Con and getting excited about all, all the latest board games. But recently I had uh, a game night and I didn't really have anything that was super perfect for the group that I was going to play with. And that's because there were going to be five of us. Five is kind of a weird number. Sometimes you want to split into three and two, but we didn't want to. We wanted to have every, all five playing. And I had a bunch of games sitting around that I was excited to play they're all four-player max. So I thought, I'm just going to drive down to my local board game store, and I'm just going to look and see what I see and see what I can pick up. Uh, and what I settled on was a game called Battle for Greyport. This is a, a Red Dragon Inn universe game. A Red Dragon Inn is a series of games that I have enjoyed very much in the past, uh, but they are very cutthroat. These are very, very cutthroat games. Uh, you're kind of attacking your friends and divvying up loot. It's the idea is it's the tavern that all the role-playing people hang out at. But the group that I was playing with tends to prefer games where we're not at each other's throats, tends to prefer games where we're not being super competitive, likes to team up. We play a lot of, uh, you know, escape room board games or, uh, time stories or game, you know, games where we can all have a good time or D and D games where we can all have a good time together. And we're all sharing the experience and teaming up and not fighting among each other. Uh, and so battle for Greyport was what I picked and battle for Greyport is a deck building game. That's cooperative and it's all basically PVE. So deck building games like dominion are where you start with a, a hand of cards and you play a few of them every turn. And then at a certain point, you have the ability to buy more cards to enter them into your deck, and they improve your deck over time. And Battle for Greatport uh, does that mechanic in a very smart way. It allows you to select a character at the beginning of the game, and that character is one of the cards in your deck, but it's a card that never gets extinguished. You always get to play it should you choose. And then you can get items that you can attach to your character, and you can play other heroes out of your hand and attach items to them, and then attack monsters. And the thing that's happening in Battle for Greyport is there are monsters attacking parts of the city. So there is a location where you and all your adventurer friends are located, and that is under attack from a certain number of monsters. But each of you is also under attack from a certain number of monsters, and you have to try to save this location of the city there are different scenarios uh, that have kind of different tweaks on that formula. But ultimately, what you're, all, you're always doing is trying to save the city and kill all the monsters. So, the weird thing about this game is everybody can fight 
all at the same time. There's no turns. You can all go in whatever order you decide because it's a cooperative game. You're making those decisions in and of yourselves. But whosoever turn it is, whosoever the active player is the one who's being attacked and the only one whose monsters everybody can attack. So you're all only, you all have monsters in front of you that will attack you, but they're not going to right now. They're only going to attack if you're the active player and everybody can only attack the active player's monsters. But what you want to do is attack the monsters in front of the city because the city's health is going to get whittled down. If you lose the city, you lose the potential to get really cool stuff by saving the city. And the game evolves over time. You can level up and there's stages, different locations that you go to. So what you end up having to do is attack the active players' monsters to try to kill all of them so that you can then attack the city monsters. But you only get to refresh your deck of cards after you've been the active player. So if you're spending all your cool cards out of your hand to attack the monsters in front of your friend, you're less able to do things as the turns progress until you get to your turn. So there's all those, these wonderful decisions to be made about when to use my cards, when to use somebody else's cards. And everybody is attacking all at the same time. So you can all contribute something all the time as well. Nobody's sitting around waiting for their turn. Nobody is the alpha gamer telling everybody what to do because you all have your own problems to deal with as well as the grand central problem that you're all contributing for. Is this game called Life? I forgot what you said. The game. <laughs> it's called Battle for Greyport, uh, a Red Dragon in game. I found it to be really clever and fun. I think the art is not great. Uh, it's kind of in the same style of Red Dragon Inn and... I've never found that particular art style to be satisfying and, and evocative for me. Uh, there's a lot of games that have, I think, much much better art or art that is much more to my liking. So that would be the, a place I would ding it is that I don't I didn't pull up a card and go, oh, that's so rad. I have this cool looking thing. But there are plenty of cool behaving things that, that I do find. Um, and we had a good good time. I mean, I think if you have that kind of group like I have where – Everybody wants to have an adventure, but nobody wants to play as the DM. I mean, ultimately, I'm usually the one that's the the DM, but I just didn't have the time to craft a story this time. So I said, let me find a game where the game crafts the, the problem and creates the story for us. Not a ton of story here, per se, but a fun adventure that we were all involved in and we were all on the same team for. And uh, I found it to be really fun. I really, it was a pleasant surprise. It's a game I really wasn't aware of before I went to the game store. I just browsed the the aisles looking for a five-player cooperative game. And this one was a pleasant surprise. Again, it's called Battle for Greyport. That sounds pretty fun. But Jeff, I got to ask, have you actually had like massive arguments over board games or had friends? <laughs> Constantly. Are you Constantly. serious? <laughs> no, like, oh I mean, like for realsies, like yes. arguments. Yes. Wow. You do not understand the group that I play with. Uh, I don't. These guys, it, whatever the time that a game says it's going to take on the box, you know, board games always say 60 to 90 minutes or 30 minutes per player, or there's some always on the spine of a board game these days. It'll tell you what the expected play time is. Whatever that is for my group, triple it. <laughs> triple it. And Why? Why? 
because we argue incessantly. We there is not nonstop rules arguments. Yeah. You can't do that. Wait, yes, I can. Sidetracked to talking about movies, to talking about video games, back to the board game. Now wait, now can I even? Let's look at the rules again. I can't. Are we able to even do this? What? Are you, yeah, it is. Uh, when do we get that show? Believe me, uh, there's been discussions, but it, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's it's bad. Would you guys have if you did the show? Would you include a battle royale mode? I mean, I think it. I think it is. I think it is. I think that's what it is. That's essentially it. Okay. Battle Royale for video, for board games. Yeah. All right. Uh, I want to uh, answer this email. Well, it's not even answered. I want to read this email. We got an email this week uh, to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. That's where you can send any emails you like, any comments you have about the show or questions or quick questions. Not doing quick questions this week, but uh, we welcome those there. This is a kind of a, a longer thing that I found to be pretty cool. I wanted to read it on the show and get you guys – your reactions, the two of you guys. Uh, this comes from Nick from Atlanta, Georgia. He says, I wanted to write in about what I'll be doing in a couple of weeks. First off, I love the show. It's always been fun times listening while I'm working. Y'all definitely make it better while I'm working in the Georgia heat. So to the meat of my story, on August 4th, my brother, friend, and myself will be traveling to Vancouver for the week. What makes this trip so meaningful is that it will be the first time meeting the people I've played with online. We've been friends for almost 10 years. We met through Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Ever since then, we have been inseparable. We are all friends on Facebook and message each other all the time. There will be 10 of us from all over hanging out for the week. Three live in Vancouver. One is from Chicago. Another one is from Washington. The furthest one is coming from New Zealand. Wow. We have been planning this for two years that is amazing we are all excited uh, we're all getting excited over this our clan name is called uh, eh clan it means extremely hostile and uh, i would okay. love to write back <laughs> i would love to write back after the trip and tell all the stories we had uh, i would love to hear that nick i'm excited I, I want to kind of create anticipation in our audience too because i hope to hear some cool stories i think that's incredible that you guys have been buddies for 10 years and literally never met in person uh, I hope this isn't a catfish situation, but I'm sure it isn't. <laughs> uh, I wonder, Mark and Christian, if you've ever had anything even remotely like this or know of anybody that have. Um, I actually have. Uh, Christian, do you want to go, though? Uh, I can just say I've met people that I've met on Twitter <clears throat> or people I've you know met from this show or someone has reached out digitally and then when i'm in town either for a stand-up show or they're in la i've i've grabbed coffee with people and um one of them uh i only knew uh, digitally and then he stayed at my house that's how i philippe uh who's been yeah. on this show and was on weekend confirmed so yeah sometimes i put myself out there maybe more than i should but i love it i love when you're able to uh, mark a, against our conversation we said before we started rolling um i do love how the internet makes the world a smaller place. So yeah, I've had a no, nothing this large or this long, um, long standing, I guess of like one group, but uh, also Chris, who's been on this show, we met like through Twitter and our love of rollerblading. And uh, yeah, I've met a lot of good people that way. Um, it's like, I mean, Jeff, it's like online dating, but for friends, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. I just think it's cool that these kinds of things can be created and be legit friendships. And yet you've never, 
ever met in, in real life. You know, I wonder, I'm so curious what it's going to be like if these guys all all feel super comfortable immediately or if there'll be some weird uh, weirdness in person. I don't know. I, I think that's cool. What about you, Mark? You said you had something similar. I did. So way back um, when I played a ton of Quake 2, like back in 97, 98, um, I had... Uh, I had a Quake Clan that I ran, and there were like ten people in it, and we played every day constantly. And we had an IRC channel, and we would all meet in there, and we played together for a couple of years. And we finally all met, and um, one person came from Canada. It was pretty amazing. And to answer your question, I mean, I don't know how it's going to be for them, but when we finally all got into a room, by the way, we rented out a um it, it was a hotel room it wasn't necessarily like a conference room but we just wanted like a big room that we can just network all our stuff and we got a we got like a big big room and we all brought our computers and we played quake like we just had our own little land party there oh that's awesome and it was so much fun and those guys were great and it was it, it wasn't weird it was awesome we had a really good time and um I mean, if anything, it solidified our, our relationships. Um, I mean, again, that was 20 years ago. So I don't actually uh, talk to – I'm friends with some of them. didn't solidify them that much. <laughs> Not 20 years long. Well, I mean, we kind of – people got married and we stopped playing multiplayer games. I don't really play multiplayer games anymore just because yeah. I need a game I can pause. But um, – yeah, it's it, it was great though. I mean, I don't I don't regret it. It was awesome. It was a really good time. Um, and yeah, really good relationships and like long lasting friendships can come. I don't. I, I, there are like one or two that I still talk to, but not like all twelve of them. It's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, it's great, man. And I, I've had. I think my my equivalent to that is is more people I've collaborated with uh, in podcasting, and then really realized that we hadn't ever been in the same room together, or, <laughs> you know, or uh, or just met once at a yeah. con and then started doing a podcast for years. And then, you know, even, even Dave and Devendra, like Devendra lives in New York and Dave lives in Seattle and we do the slash filmcast every week. Uh, we, we all were in the same room together for Dave's wedding this last year um, or this earlier this year. And uh, it was the first time we'd been on the same room since like Comic-Con 2007 or something like that. It was 2008, something like that. So it would, you know, it's, we talk every single week and feel like we know each other very, very well, but we hadn't actually been in the same physical location. So, so that's what, cool. So when, in, when are you and Christian actually going to meet? Oh, I will never meet him. I've, we've made that very clear that it's in my writer. That uh, <laughs> We're actually, actually, actually the same person, Mark. I don't know if you know that, but <laughs> oh they're just two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Oh my God. Fight club. <laughs> yeah. He's my Tyler Durden. Um, anyway, Nick, Please do keep us updated on how this goes. We want to hear the cool stories and we'll update the audience as well. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, let's thank our final sponsor, Gamefly. You heard Christian talk about Octopath Traveler. You know how Christian got to play Octopath Traveler? How Gamefly. To- Gamefly, right? How did Gamefly. you get to Yeah, how did you get to play uh, Mario Tennis Aces? Gamefly. Gamefly. Gamefly is the best way to buy and rent all of your favorite games. Gamefly puts video games where they belong in your hands. Uh, in my Nintendo Switch? In Christian's Nintendo Switch. That's where they are. all video games belong. <laughs> uh, 
your monthly subscription to Gamefly.com. You pick your favorite games from over 9,000 titles, and then they get mailed directly to your door. You don't ever have to worry about late fees. You don't ever have to worry about getting the game back in a certain amount of time. Play it as long as you want. Finish the game. Whatever you want to do, hang on to it. Send it back when you're done. They send you the next game on your list. That's the way you can play more games. It is saves you a bundle. Uh, it, it's a little as little as fifty four cents a day. Always free shipping. You can cancel anytime. It's one monthly fee with unlimited video game rentals, and also they have movies, so you can rent movies should you want to do that as well. This is great. You never have to leave your house or worry about the game you want uh, being out of stock, like at your local retailer. If you go to GameFly.com slash DLC2, that's J-M-E-F-L-Y dot com slash DLC and the number two, you can start your free premium 30-day trial today. The premium trial allows you to check out two games and or movies at a time, and you can only get this offer by visiting GameFly.com slash DLC2. You can get a free month with other offers, but that's only one game. You can get two, hence the big number two after DLC2, only at GameFly.com slash DLC2. Now go sign up, start playing all your favorite games absolutely free for 30 days. All right, guys, uh, that is going to do it for this episode. We do have our parting gifts coming up. But Mark DeSanto, thank you so much for being here, sir. Dude, thanks so much for having me. This is a blast. Absolutely. We loved it. And tell people where they can keep up with you and the things you do online. Uh, well, I am in, I am on Twitter. Um, you can find me at HeyMarkD. D is in Delta. And also my YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash games One word. Very cool. Christian, how about you? What do you got going on this week? Well, Jeff, I think I can I can say this the way I'm going to say it. So stop me at any time. Uh, live stream will get it if they get it. Um, we've been working on a thing, yeah. and it is soft launch out for people to consume it. Uh, we've been tweeting soft them out. Soft launch is the best launch. Soft launch is the best launch. Um, kind of like a soft boiled egg. It's good. Yeah. Uh, um, we've been tweeting them out. I've also I took the liberty to compile all of them, or most not all of them, some of them, on my website because finding them all other ways is not as easy as it hopefully will be later. But if you go to my website christianspicer.com on the sidebar you'll see a page called weekend review soft launch soft launch and you can watch them there it's a thing that uh, jeff and i've been working on that i'm very proud of and hopefully people will dig it i also have a thing there called local co-op that i'm also proud of only one is up there and uh it's definitely soft launch but there's a lot of good stuff coming and so that's one way one way to check it out and one way to talk about it. <laughs> soft launch. Yeah, we were, we soft launched the heck out of it. And uh, if you have been watching our Twitter feeds, you have seen links as Chris, Christian mentioned. Uh, I've gotten a lot of really awesome feedback from people. Thank you to all of you that have watched it and sent your, uh, your feedback on what you thought. A lot of people really dig them. So thanks. Uh, Christian and I are working hard. Their video content and if you like this show, I think you'll dig them. They're a little different than what we do here, uh, a little more structured, a little more written. But uh, I, as Christian said, we're both very proud of them. And uh, it's soft launch, which means you have to go to Christian's website, uh, kind of, to find him as an odd player. It's all soft. It's the softest. But 
nonetheless, the content I think is worth it. And I think you guys will dig it. So give it a shot. Check it out. Week in review. Soft launch. Soft launch. Jeff, what about, uh, what about you? Well, what what movie talk- are you doing this week? We are on Slash Filmcast, of course, is what you're talking about. SlashFilmcast.com. We're doing uh, Sorry to Bother You. No, sorry. no, it's okay. It's not bother. Go ahead. No, Sorry to Bother You, Christian. That's the movie we're doing, which, woo, what a movie. Wow. You guys definitely listen to us talk about that one. Uh, and then, of course, next week we'll be doing uh, the Mission Impossible Fallout. So uh, lots of good stuff to check out. SlashFilmcast.com. So uh, don't miss it. Also, at uh, Jeff Kanata is the Twitter for me with two N's and one T, of course. And I guess that's all I have to plug these days. Used to be a lot more, but, uh, you know, <laughs> things happen. Uh, all right. So uh, let's do, let give some people things to do this week with their parting gifts. Mark, yes. you have something to help people get through their week? I don't know about that, but I do have a recommendation for um, somebody if they're in the market for an electronic vehicle. Um, I had a reservation for a Model 3 for quite a while. Um, I, re- I reserved my Model 3, I think, the day they went up. And so um, I waited, waited, waited. I got pushed back like three times. The car I was driving... It was a G35. It was a 2003 Nissan G or uh, Infiniti G35. Loved the car, but it was 15 years old, and it was time to just get something new. It needed. I needed something new, just a commute right. car, basically. And Elon let you down. I, I couldn't wait. They pushed. He. Yeah. I, it got pushed. But he pushed it back. Like he looked at my yeah. paperwork and said, "Well, no, not for this car. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um. So it got pushed back until like February, March of 2019. And so my wife and I just kind of looked at each other and said, well, I think we're just going to kind of see what else is out there. So I started test driving a bunch of EVs and I fell in love with the Nissan Leaf. Um, The 2018 is a new design, so they don't look like big bugs anymore with wheels Mm -hmm. chasing you down on the freeway. Um, They're actually nice looking cars now. They don't look obnoxious. And um, it's just nice to have a car that now has like a USB port and an auxiliary. <laughs> yeah. It didn't have that stuff. I mean, right. I had a music player and that's how I played like my iPhone. Um, that's how I played my music and listen to podcasts. Um, and it's just a great, great car. It goes 150 miles on one full charge. Um, Nissan. And I d- actually, I didn't even know this. Like the sales guys didn't tell me about this, but Nissan has this no charge to charge program. So basically they pay for your charging for the first two years. Oh, wow. So I've had this car since February. I haven't paid a penny to charge it because I don't charge it at home. I'll charge it like at the fast chargers in the mall or somewhere else. I have one near uh, work. So what I'll do is I can get 50% um, in 30 minutes at a level three charge. Wow. And so I just do that. And so it's been great. I really like this car. I like how it handles. Um, I can sit all four of us in, in the car comfortably. That's great. Um, it has, it's really interesting because it has this, this thing and I, I'm sure other EVs have it that, but I can't speak to them, but it has something called an E pedal and that's Nissan's one pedal. Um, uh, oh, yeah. it works like a uh, works like a golf cart right you just... exactly that's right yeah. and so yeah. instead when you when as soon as you lift up on the gas pedal 
it engages the regenerative brakes really aggressively. So it will essentially, when you get good enough at it, you don't really ever break unless something um, jumps out in front of your car or you just need to like actually park the car and, you know, stop on a dime. But I drive because all the way. Of, because of the regenerative brakes, it, you'll never need a brake job, right? I mean, I don't about never, but the guys at that the dealership are like, it's going to be a long time. If you, That's if cool, you man. use that e-pedal um, and you get really good at it, like you're probably not going to need your, your brakes changed for a really long time. And, um, and it actually works. I mean, it's cool. It's almost kind of gamey with the gauge. Cause you can see when it's, when you're putting energy back into the battery. Right. And now I know why I, all those other EVs and hybrids are on the freeway are driving really, really slowly on the freeway, you know, <laughs> because it's, it, it costs, it's the opposite of combustion engines where, you know, um, you get more miles on the freeway and around town, you know, you get fewer miles, right. but with an EV, you get a lot more miles just driving around town because you're using your uh, regenerative brakes constantly. And on the freeway, it takes a lot of energy to kind of, um, Keep go going. 60 miles per hour. So anyway, if you're in the market, highly recommended. I love my leaf. It's a lot of fun to drive. It's got a ton of torque. Um, and it's great. Well, I think Mark, I think you have the new record for the most expensive parting gift. <laughs> yes. That's, uh, so by the way, yeah. it's worth noting. It was 35,000 for the car. There was no, those cars are selling like hotcakes. So I couldn't even talk them down. Instead, they gave me more money for my car as a trade-in. Hmm. They actually gave me over the blue book and, um, you know, you get the, the $5,000 federal tax credit. California yeah. gives you $2,500. It's pretty sweet. So that's a 2018 Nissan Leaf. Very, very cool parting gift. Uh, Christian, how about you? You got a parting gift? I'll sneak two in because uh, they're related. One is Real Friends had a new album come out uh, a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, maybe one week ago. They're, uh, I talked about them before. Pop punk still going forward or the kind of of that vein, maybe alternative now or, or rock, however genres change. And then two, this is that's the one anyone can do is go listen to that album. Two, if they're coming to your town and you haven't missed it yet, uh, the wife and I went to Paramore in concert, and what a great, what a great show! They sold out the Forum here in LA, which is really cool for this band that's been going at it for forever. Um, their last album, uh, After Laughter, put out by Fueled by Ramen, is an incredible album. And Haley, I think, is one of the best front people in the business, where she's singing her guts out and dancing and laying it all on the line like a like a real rock show. And it was really cool. I haven't seen them live in, I don't know, eight years, something like that. Um, really great show. And if you like their music and they're coming to your city, definitely go check them out. Paramore. Very cool. cool. Uh, we have a listener suggested parting gift, which you can always submit to the show. If you want to hear your parting gift, share it with our audience. You can send that to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This one comes from Will Bowler. Bowler? Probably Bowler. Uh, Will says... This past weekend, I went axe throwing, and I would recommend trying it. It was wonderful, and you get to hurl an axe across a range and hit a target. There's something primal and amazing about standing there with an axe in hand, knowing you're about to chuck it. Now, I appreciate that, Will, but I guess I just Google axe throwing because you didn't tell me how how do I do this. I just Google axe throwing, and there'll be a... uh, a place that I can do that in my vicinity? Is that how, how it works? Is this a thing that people can just go do? Or do you, is it special? I don't know. 
I bet know. I bet it's fairly I bet it's more common than you think. Axe throwing, guys. Will says it's a blast. Sounds cool. Sounds like a Ren Fair thing. Uh, yeah. But I guess there are places where you can go do that. So cool. I'd throw it once and then stand there with my hand out, just waiting, like uh, for it to come back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, uh, yeah, Kratos. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would probably throw it, and then it would not get stuck in the. It would hit the handle, would hit what I was hitting, and it would just fall to the ground, and then I would walk away embarrassed. But, <laughs> I would what? be constantly pressing X, trying to get it to come back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, my parting gift. Um, is the Mission Impossible new 4K Blu-rays. If you listen to the Slash Filmcast, we did a big retrospective on all the Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible movies uh, in anticipation of the next one, which I, I'm so excited. I'm seeing it tomorrow. I'm so excited. Um, and we uh, we got all these. They were sent to us by uh, Paramount. So uh, I did get these all uh, complimentary. But I will tell you that the uh, the 4K transfer is really cool. It has an HDR 4K disc and a regular Blu-ray disc. But that's not even really what I want to talk about because I talked about all that on the Slash Filmcast. What I want to talk about is what I hadn't watched all of before then, but I spent last night watching, which is the special features. There's like each of them has a disc of special features. And I came away going, Tom Cruise is a real superhero. He's like a real-life Batman. Uh, I mean, say what you will about his beliefs and personal life. Messy. But also Batman's are, um, and he, like everything you if you're watching all those special features of all the movies back to back, the only thing that happens over and over and over again is everyone who's an expert in their field, like the stunt coordinators, the special guys that are training Tom to do the next insane thing he does in the movie, they all all of them back to back are like. He's incredible. I've never seen anyone take to this like he 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 learned how to do all the things we do in a week. It's like all of them say that they're like, I've never seen anyone pick this up as fast as Tom did. It's over and over over the course of fifteen years of movies. It's like he he does all his own motorcycle riding in, in the last movie in uh, Rogue Nation. He did this crazy training to hold his breath for six minutes. He you know learned how to. Uh, uh, scale the side of the biggest mount, uh, building in the world for Mission Impossible 4. He, you know, held onto the side of an airplane. All these things that he learned how to do, it's incredible. And it's really fun watching the behind the scenes of all those sequences because you go, this is not a human being. This is a superhuman being. Um, it's wild. So I highly recommend that. Okay. That's our show. Uh, thank you guys Yay. for listening. Thanks again to Mark DeSanto and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all the folks in our chat rooms for hanging out with us in real time, making the show better. We appreciate that. Thanks to uh, Patrick L. Sean Madigan and Zero Star for the cool bumpers that you hear in the show. And thanks to all of you who download the show. We appreciate you listening. Thank you very much. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>